Hello, it's Painter Sharpless. Welcome, Drew Forehand, to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Yes, my good friend Drew is in studio with me today. I will, in a moment, talk with Blake Lovell of Locked On SEC. You can catch that part of the Locked On Podcast Network every day, wherever you listen to your podcast. And some of the things we dive into, Drew. Well, how does the uh, the coronavirus impact first-year coaches? We've talked about some of that here on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Will we have football at all? We'll eventually get to that Ole Miss chatter, but also he had a conversation with Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman. So we talked about that briefly, and then we did get into Kermit Davis, what his tenure has been like thus far, and what we think it can be in the coming years. So that is all coming up. Let's dive in, but first a word from the folks who make this podcast possible. Right now, I'm joined by Blake Lovell. Blake, it's been a while since we uh, chatted. There has not been a ton going on, I guess. How are things uh, on your end? Yeah, good to talk to you, Painter. Uh, not a whole lot happened, right? Um, just kind of uh, seeing how everything's going to play out with different sports, and, and that's about it, I guess. What's going on with the Locked On SEC, the podcast you've got covering the conference every day? We're getting creative, uh, as everybody is, I think, at this point. Um, coming up with different things to talk about. But, you know, really right now, just talking to different people, getting their their reactions on things, looking ahead. You know, we had Eric Musselman on at Arkansas earlier in the week to talk about how they're handling things as a staff and, and really just trying to, you know, look ahead to next season and, and how this whole NBA draft process is going to affect coaches. And, um, you know, and getting insight from different people on SEC football. You know, what's that going to look like? And it's just, I don't know, man. I think we all have, have more questions than answers right now, no matter what we do. We'll get to Ole Miss basketball, but that's that's one of the things I, I do want to get to. But you kind of naturally brought me to something else since you're following what's happening. I'm getting farther down the rabbit hole, and certainly I'm buying into the idea that if we have football at all this fall, it's going to look much different than what we've had in the past. What's your gut reaction? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the, the general thought of it. Um, I think there, there are so many different factors, too, because as we said, I mean, it's pretty clear at this point. There's not going to be any spring practice. I think we know that. I know the SEC had that April 15th date is, is reassessing sure. and all that. I mean, we all understand it's not. They're not going to be practicing on April 16th. Um, and so then it becomes, okay, what well, the season starts as normal in late August, early September, you know, how do you prepare for it? And when does that preparation start? Uh, and I think that's another question. Is our coaches going to be okay with if we don't start things back up until July or, you know, something like that? I mean, that's, that's very little time to prepare for your season. And so I don't know. I mean, I think that the most likely scenario, and again, I don't even know if you can say it's the most likely because we have no clue what right. the timeline of this is going to be, but, um, you know, probably I'd say if there's any sort of changes you would expect, it's probably going to involve trying to, to play your conference games, maybe not playing your non-conference games and hope that you can do it that way. But it's probably still too early to tell, even if, if that's going to be something that plays into it either. Yeah, I've been wary of making any predictions, but I really do feel like we're moving in a position where we'll be fortunate to have it. And I, I'm with you. I think about like the economic impact of how it's going to affect us uh, especially yeah. these smaller towns. It's, you know, there's a ton of moving parts. One thing, though, that I think is just a football or athletics perspective is what it does to first-year coaches, Blake. Like you think about, especially in, yeah. in Mississippi, with two of the most intriguing hires this offseason with Kiffin and Leach, 
I mean, they're basing yeah. a lot of their knowledge off of film from last year with some players who are no longer there in a system they won't be running. And I brought this up to a couple people, and someone, I think it was, I think it was Josh Ward, you know, one of our, our peers at mm-hmm. Locked On. He does Locked On Balls, and I thought he brought up a good point, and I've kind of thought more about it is, you know, if you don't have this, this time to be able to acclimate yourself with, with not just your new staff, but also all these new players, all the new freshmen. I mean, look at, you know, we know when Georgia's got changes, but they've got a, you know, they got a new quarterback coming in, Jamie Newman. It's like, and they've got to get used to a new coordinator. And um, there are so many different aspects, I think, at play to where if we do have a season, I think it's certainly going to be a situation where the teams that already have, you know, coaches in place, that have systems in place and have these, you know, upperclassmen type of guys who have maybe been in their roles uh, in whatever position it is, I think that gives them an advantage. And, I mean, that's not, you know, I don't. there's nothing anyone can do about it. Uh, it's just, you know, how things are right now. And so uh, it's going to be interesting, like you said. And, you know, I was thinking about it, too. It's, we were looking at the possibility of playing the NCAA tournament, the SEC tournament without fans. You know, playing a football game without fans, that's that's a whole different story and, and a whole different environment. It would certainly change the atmosphere, and I don't know if there's any one sport that's so reliant on the energy of its fans, and when the, especially in the Southeast, when you think about tailgating and the culture that's built around it. It would be uncharted territory. Um, what was uh, the conversation with Musselman like for a little preview? I don't want to give everything away because people need to go listen to that. I thought it was interesting to see someone, you know, it was his first season. And I think with Arkansas, you know, that was a team we talked about a lot um, as a team that, you know, that could have played their way into the SEC tournament. And I think for him having to have that conversation with his team when the SEC, or excuse me, the NCAA tournament, they tried to play into that, um, you know, having that conversation with his team after the SEC tournament got canceled, it was basically, you know, what do you say to your guys? Because, um, they had overcome, you know, some adversity with, with Isaiah Joe's injury and putting themselves, you know, in a spot where, you know, they, they probably weren't going to get in unless they won some games in the SEC tournament. And so um, I thought it was pretty fascinating to get his insight on that. And really, you know, this NBA draft process, and it's going to affect some of these teams because I think there's a, a good chance that some of these second-round type of picks are going to wind up coming back to school instead of maybe going to the NBA, playing in the G League, or even playing overseas. I think we've got to think about that, too, because what's that landscape going to look like? You know, it's like, what what's the NBA going to look like? What's the overseas professional uh, ranks going to look like throughout the rest of this year? And so, I don't know, and I think that could turn out to be a situation where more players come back, and, and he weighed in on that. So, uh, always a good interview with Must. Uh, he's someone that, that tells it like it is, and uh, pretty interesting to get his thoughts on it. It's nice. It's refreshing. And there are actually a couple in the league uh, in basketball. And it's different. They don't have to be as guarded as the the football coaches. But, yeah, it's it's nice when you get someone that you feel like is transparent. Be sure to check that out with Blake with Locked On SEC. Um, real quick, you mentioned the G League, and you also mentioned overseas because there's so much uncertainty. One thing I'm certain of, Kira Lewis and John Petty were two players that were really fun to watch even though Alabama had some ups and downs over the last few seasons. What do you think about their professional careers? Like, I would like to see them playing in the NBA. They were fun, even though their team didn't always have it together. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's something where, you know, that's a team that's probably going to benefit, I would expect, from this whole thing. Because, 
you know, they're in that group of, I mean, I guess you could put a lot of different SEC players in there in that second range category. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Tyra Lewis is a first round pick. I don't think John Petty's a first round pick. Um, and so when you look at it that way, I, I think it's pretty clear that those are two guys that if they're not going to get to go through the combine process to, to maybe play their way up the ladder, you know, I mean, they, why wouldn't they come back, right? And I think that's the thing, too, is you've got to look at it. If you're a player going into this process, I mean, you're probably going to wind up coming back because there's there just so many unknowns, I think, professionally, to where can you really take that chance at this point? And so a team like Alabama, um, you know, a team like Florida, I think that, that has some guys that could be right there in that same category. Uh, they're going to wind up benefiting from this just because, you know, and again, I don't know how much of a benefit is. It's a benefit from a sports standpoint. Um, but, you know, that, that's just probably going to make those types of teams stronger if those guys decide to come back. All right, I've taken you on a bit of a winding journey here just to wind up talking Ole Miss basketball, so let's do that. How would you describe as an outsider the first couple of seasons under Kermit Davis? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was really, I mean, in all honesty, maybe you, you sort of flipped how you thought the expectations were going to be when he first took over. We probably thought this was going to be the season where you know they started to, to have a chance to get into the NCAA tournament, but they got there last year. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't think any of us expected that. We didn't expect him to be that good that early, and you know, with him on the job, and that's not a knock on him. I just think it's a matter of, of where things were from a depth standpoint, a roster standpoint. Um, but you know, I, I think it's. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't consider this year a disappointment really either. And I know that may be something that, that Ole Miss fans don't want to hear. But when we saw what Terrence Davis did, and I think losing someone like him. Um, you know, and we see what he's doing in the NBA now uh, with the Raptors. I mean, I think it's just, I think we some people probably just really underestimated his impact on that team. And, you know, they didn't have a way to replace him, even though they did have Brian Tyree. I just think it's a situation where, you know, there's just there was no way to replace Terrence Davis no matter who they brought in. And they were still a team that, you know, brought in a lot of newcomers, were trying to get everybody on the same page. And, well, it's just one of those seasons where, I mean, they, they won some games. They lost some close games. Uh, you win a few here or there, and it's a different story. But um, I think he's, you know, I don't think it's a knock on Kermit Davis at all. I think he's doing fine. And um, I think it's just a matter of continuing to recruit well and, and get transfers. And, um, and I think they'll be, you know, they'll be right there where they need to be. Yeah, their road record was terrible. 15-7 and seven on the year, 6-12 and 12 in the league. And you mentioned they were on the – wrong end of some really close games. And that has led Kermit Davis repetitively to talk about recruiting more tough players, which has been an interesting, almost a bit of a jab at his his current roster. And I'm also curious about recruiting right now because they don't have any open scholarships. So it appears that they're planning on some guys leaving the program. Blake, what would you say based on if things go well in recruiting – uh, this offseason, what should fans expect from Kermit Davis in year three? Because it's starting to feel like a pretty an important one this season. You know, how do you replace Brian and Tyree? You know, that is the same question I think we had with Terrence Davis. Fair. How do you replace him? Um, and I think that's going to be the same situation here where, you know, you have someone like that, um, you know, how, how do you replace someone that did all the things he did? And I think, too, you know, it's keeping some of those guys, uh, that the younger guys there, and, you know, the transfers, I think, is something, too. We don't know at this point right. um, because things are so different. You know, there are still probably other guys that could transfer out. Um, you just don't know because players are transferring more, I think, probably in this scenario because they're not having these in-person meetings with coaches and all that. But, 
I wouldn't be surprised if you know they're able to land some of these these transfers too as well in terms of bringing guys in. Um, I know having Jarkel Joyner in the mix next year is going to be a, a big boost for them. Um, I think he's someone that you know he's going to be able to contribute right away. I would think, and then uh, Matthew Merle. I mean, he's someone too that um, you would expect to bring in and, and be a pretty good impact player. So I, I mean, they're heading in the right direction. I think it's just too. I mean, it's what does the SEC look like? I think that could be the biggest thing. Uh, because if some of these teams bring back guys that we didn't think they were going to bring back, it's just going to make their teams very strong. And with your team like Ole Miss, you know, you don't have these guys that you're expecting to, to go in the NBA draft. You know you're losing for your Tyree, but, um, you know, how do you how do you make up the ground with that? So um, I don't really know exactly what the expectation would be. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a team that, that's going to, you know, be competing for an SEC title or anything like that next season. But if they continue, you know, are able to recruit well, and if they can bring in a couple of these transfers like we're seeing teams do, I mean, that they can be right there probably as top half team. Roster talent definitely seems fluid with what you've mentioned a couple times here on the podcast about some teams perhaps benefiting from all this uncertainty. But I've held that if Kermit Davis can make this a top half of the league team consistently, essentially every year, uh, where you're a top six, top seven, then like every third or fourth season – you compete to be a top four team. Like, is that about as good as it gets? Because that gets you into the into the tournament a number of years, and that's quite frankly an achievement. Ole Miss can't say that it's reliably been able. Like, that's not something it's been able to consistently do. Yeah, and I think that's something that Andy Kennedy, you know, for I don't know, there were just some people that I don't think understood, you know, how good of a job Andy Kennedy did there, and, and even that, I mean, they were able to keep it near that top half, you know, the majority of the time he was there. And, you know, I think to even be able to do that, I mean, that's, that was that was something because this is just a program, as we know. I mean, it's not easy to win there. Uh, you're in and you're out. And it's, it's just a matter of, you know, improving what you can offer. And I think they've done that, you know, with facilities and all that now. And I think that's something that Kermit Davis will be able to continue to, to take advantage of in terms of, of getting good talent in there. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just realistically trying to – to be a team that, that can be, like you said, I mean, consistently in the top seven in the SEC, um, because we know how quickly things can change. Just ask Vanderbilt. I mean, this is a team that was right there in the top half for years, um, and then now, you know, they've been at the bottom for the past couple of seasons. And so um, things can fluctuate a lot in this conference, you know, unless you're Kentucky um, or Florida, teams sure. like that that we've seen kind of stay there for the long haul. Um, you know, even, I mean, look at the teams like Auburn and Tennessee. I mean, Auburn and Tennessee had some some down stretches before um, they were up, you know, near the top like they are now. And the same goes with LSU. Um, so it is, I mean, it's every season's different. And I think that's something where um, it really is. It's not something anymore in the SEC where you can just say, okay, we were good last year. We should be fine the year after. It's like you pretty much have to, to reload every season because that's what everyone else is doing. Uh, and if Ole Miss is able to do that, they can be a team that I think they compete in the top half of the SEC each season. Is that asking too much? Is what I'm saying to be a top six team essentially every year and then to be a top three or four team who can maybe make it to the second round of the tournament every, let's say, four seasons? Like, is that based on past expectations and history unrealistically? I don't think it is because, like we said, I think it's, I think so many teams have proven that you can do it now um, that it's just a matter of staying there. And that is challenging if we know that just because of the state of the SEC. I mean, the coaching roster probably never been better. Um, you know, we know all the coaches that come into this league now. And, 
you know, I think for Ole Miss, it, it really is. Like, it's just a matter of you, you got to the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. in a year where no one thought you would. I mean, everyone thought you would be the worst team in the SEC, and you got to the NCAA tournament. Um, so it's just a matter of finding, you know, being able to sustain that success. And that's where I think Kermit Davis, you know, the, the expectations when you go to the tournament your first season, that immediately raises expectations, whereas most coaches, you know, you take over a job, you think you've got probably two or three years, and, and fans understand that, to where, you know, you're going to have two or three years to rebuild the roster and all that. But, I mean, the fact that he got them there in year one, I think that's more of a positive than anything. Um, even if they didn't get there this year, it's just knowing that, okay, we can, we know we can get there under this guy. And it's just a matter of, okay, now we just have to keep building um, the roster to where we can do this every season. And so I think the fact that he made the tournament year one, uh, that to me tells me that, you know, we know what he's capable of. And it's just a matter of building the roster each season because, let's be honest, like you have to rebuild your roster each season now. Like this isn't a four-year thing. Um, you, you have to know that you're going to lose players to transfer, you're going to bring in players to transfer, and you're going to add recruiting to the mix. And, and I think it's completely different than what it used to be because you'd have guys that you knew were going to stay in your program for three or four years. It's just not that way anymore. And I think that's something that all coaches are going to have to adjust to. And if you can do that, you know, you're going to wind up being a better team more often than not. For those that listen to this podcast, like I think it's pretty evident I'm a Kermit Davis believer, and it sounds like you've got at least uh, some faith that he can – be a you know a steadying hand for a program like Ole Miss kind of rounding out our conversation Blake this has nothing to do with Ole Miss but everything to do with Mississippi State Ben Hallen had some uh, departures not just Reggie Perry but also a bunch of guys heading into the transfer portal have you got any idea about what it is that's going on in Starkville yeah, you know, that's another one where, I mean, I don't know how you even try to predict some of these things sometimes <laughs> because is it, and I think really even more like now because we, I think the problem that coaches are facing, and I think anyone will tell you this, is it, it's, I mean, you look at it, it, it who else is talking, who are talking to your players? Because you're not, you know, they're, they're not in school. You're, you're not having an opportunity to have those meetings with players um, and all those different things that we're so used to you know, each off season, they're not having these face-to-face conversations. So it's probably a matter of, you know, like John Calipari, he did a press conference the other day. He basically said, look, I'm having to text my guys every single day. If I'm not doing it, someone else is doing it. Um, you know, one of my coaches has to be doing it because that's the only way you can stay in communication. So I think it's so hard to know maybe who, who else is talking to these players. Who's, you know, what's going on? Because we are in such an unprecedented situation where, you know, I don't know exactly what, what these coaches can do to prevent some of these transfers. Um, you know, and the guys that transfer off of this Mississippi State team, I mean, you know, I don't know if, if some of these guys would have ultimately been complete game changers uh, in terms of maybe looking ahead to next season. I mean, there was good young talent there. But I think this is still a team that, that has a pretty good nucleus when you think about the guys who at least you expect to come back at this point who haven't, you know, purportedly transferred. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I still think Mississippi State is a team where, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to be fine, I think, as long as Ben Howland's there. It's just, I mean, they're, they're probably battling the same type of stuff that everyone else is in terms of keeping your players uh, in an unprecedented situation like this. Yeah, I like Hallen and I like Davis as coaches for both those schools, and they both got tough, you know, I think that they're tough jobs and programs that have had not a ton of success, quite frankly, historically, 
Uh, I think that they've been a good addition. Um, Blake, remind everybody where they can hear your podcast every day. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Locked on SEC, like you said. Um, you know, we, we're trying to get creative, and I, I don't want to, um, you know, spoil it or anything, but uh, we may have a, a coach of yours uh, on Ooh. here on the podcast. I'm supposed to talk to, to him on Friday. Uh, I'm supposed to, to catch up with Kermit. I've been meaning to do it for a while, and so um, we may have him on the podcast. Uh, may just have a conversation. Don't know yet, but uh, if we do, uh, maybe you can find it uh, on Locked on SEC. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll be sure to remind folks to uh, to go your way. Uh, what do you think, speaking of those two coaches I just mentioned, uh, next three or four years, does one of those programs stand out as having a better outlook? Of the new coaches in the SEC? Sorry, of Howland and Davis. Of those two, over the next three or four years, which program has more success? Um, yeah, that is a tough one, isn't it? Um, you know, I don't... I don't. I don't think Ben Howland's going to leave Mississippi State. Um, you know, I just. I don't know. I think at this point in his career, I don't know that it makes sense for him to leave Mississippi State to go somewhere else, unless it's just a job. You know, that that maybe is is one that I mean better. And and I think if you're in the SEC, I mean, you've got a lot of resources, and um, I think you could argue that there are a lot of SEC jobs that are better than some of these jobs uh, elsewhere. But. If he stays there, you know, I do think Mississippi State's going to be fine. But but I also think that the Kermit Davis, as we said, I mean, I think it's a bigger challenge at Ole Miss than it is at Mississippi State right now. Um, but I, I just, you know, and maybe that's just me. I mean, you know, I, I'm in Nashville, and, and I saw for many, many years what Kermit Davis was able to do at Middle Tennessee. We saw what they could do, you know, doing what they did, not just in the regular season, but, but winning the games they won in the NCAA tournament. I know we remember the ones against Michigan State, I think Minnesota, um, games like that. I just I know what, what they're capable of, and I think you have to sort of keep it in perspective in that this was only a second season, and I think because they got to the tournament in year one, um, maybe it, it just immediately set the expectation that they were going to do that every year. Uh, but I think this program's on the way up. Uh, I mean, I just, you know, I think you would probably – Look at it that way and feel like recruiting-wise, you know, the guys that he's able to bring in, he's got a good young group there, and I think it's just a matter of keeping everyone there and bringing in some of these transfers, which he's had success with. And if he can continue to do that, um, you know, I don't know. I guess I'd give you a a bad answer, give you a push. But um, (laughs) I do think, you know, Ole Miss probably the bigger challenge, but, uh, you know, that's that's not saying it's not possible to do that there. I'm with you, and you said a lot there, especially the part about Middle Tennessee. The the thing that I'm concerned with uh, is that I'm afraid Ole Miss fans won't be patient enough. Like, by the time Kermit Davis finally has it going, the results won't be rosy enough for them to, to want to stick around and really see it all the way through. But, Blake, appreciate your time. Let's do this again. I, I always enjoy hanging out with you, sir. That sounds good, man. I know you probably – my dogs are, are barking in the background, <laughs> but, you know, we're all stuck at home. So um, that's just – that's part of our, our podcasting business now, I guess. I, I dig it. And uh, that you know what? It just lightens up the podcast a little. Thanks again, Blake. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, man.